Welcome, Alexander. Thanks for being on here today. You're a man of many talents and disciplines. You're a real estate entrepreneur, yoga certified. I don't know if you're currently teaching, but we'll get into that. Psychedelic explorer, spiritual traveler, father and husband, right? Welcome to the show. I want to start off with how we met, which was this men's group called Empower Brotherhood. The curious story that I'm figuring out is how it got started. Seems like a bunch of people from California moved down to Austin during the pandemic and just started something awesome. Is that mm-hmm. kind of similar to you came over during the pandemic or a little after? Yeah, I'm, I'm just here in Austin recently. You know, it's only been a couple months. Uh, oh, just this year? Yeah, just in uh, 2023. I moved my family here and uh, a lot of people have been moving from California to Texas and even New York. To Texas, but obviously there's a migration right now that's happening from Texas or to Texas, to Florida and to Arizona. I think a lot of people are going to these states for a lot of different reasons, cost of living, um, community, um, and just living a more balanced life. Uh, whereas some of these other states have had pretty intense uh, lockdowns or restrictions on life. And, you know, Texas is definitely a great place to be. I'm so happy I'm here. I'm so happy to be here with you and uh, really grateful that uh, we met through community. A good brother, friend of mine, uh, Coach Preston Smiles, I did some work with him years ago back in L.A. And uh, he's a very inspiring brother. And, uh, yeah, just glad that we got to meet as part of his his workout community. And... uh, yeah, there's just so much power in brotherhood and so much power in community when men come together and, you know, it's the opposite of like a frat house or, you know, boot camp, but we're really uh, supporting each other, you know, emotionally, physically, we push each other hard. Um, all these beautiful things that come from community and a supportive brotherhood. And that's really like what I've devoted a large part of my life to uh, is, is supporting men and brotherhood. Which is changed my life completely i think the progression for every young man on that journey on of knowing themselves is you have your family which usually is going to be the source of your troubles right i think our parents generation didn't really have a good blueprint on what they were doing with themselves and with their kids i'm speaking for myself um and then once you're on your own and you know definitely come to your awakening moments too because pretty wild that you your heart stopped and you died for two minutes mm-hmm. oh for for any journey for a man a lot of times we either have to die lose an arm get some kind of sickness or in my case it was a, a medicine journey to to ego die mm-hmm. to wake up and yeah. to not be a lone wolf and seek that community out which is what I did with the Empowered Brotherhood, and here we are today. <clears throat> a man's path to humility, right? A lot of men won't, let's call it, wake up or won't come into full awareness of how they're being or how they're acting or how they're behaving in society or their job. And, you know, they're go, 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 super ambitious. And, you know, I can, I can see this because I definitely was that guy. I was very ambitious, very, very... Um, you know, in New York, I wanted to be very successful. And, you know, I was following the the blueprint kind of of a real estate broker and, you know, what it meant to be 
you know, cutthroat and a salesperson, right? Mm. I'm sure you can relate, you know, the sales environment. being a salesperson, right? So when you're in that profit driven first model, um, it can bring you out of yourself. It can bring you out of who you truly are. Um, it almost certainly will bring you out of who you truly are and how you truly be. Right. So for a man to wake up and from all the men that I've seen, you know, come to transformative awareness, um, the invitation usually comes in the form of injury or in the form of a sacred, you know, ceremony. There's going to be some sort of pain involved and there's going to be some sort of initiation involved. And, you know, you're 29. So you're right around that age of Saturn returns where, where a lot of men have that that questioning of like who am i really what is my purpose on this planet what am i here to do and you know that's when it happened for me i actually had my near-death experience at 27 and that changed my fundamental awareness of how i saw god because before that i didn't really believe in god i didn't really trust um i didn't trust in my own divinity i guess or, or in a collective divinity or religion. And I, um, I was very scared, right? So, so I basically, in, in a moment of two minutes, you know, I wasn't taking care of my health. I wasn't, you know, really loving myself. I was just pushing, and, you know, very, very ambitious and just was neglecting so many parts of, you know, being human. And that brought me to a point where I had to completely surrender. You know, my spirit came out of my body and I, I looked down basically on a corpse wow. and, and my heart um, stopped. And then, you know, I came back into my body and I never saw life the same. And, you know, I proceeded to look for answers, but then I realized the world that I was in, the life that I had created was all about, you know, money and business and promiscuity and, you know, uh, looking really good. And, um, I realized that I didn't have anybody to talk to. Mm. I didn't have anybody to talk to about this awakening, this spiritual thing that I just experienced. Nobody would have understood what that was. And people would have you know, called me crazy or they would have just been over the, over their head too much for them. You know, that's, you know, I, so I realized that my social circle needed to change. And I realized that I was embarking on the hero's journey at that point at 27. So that was, um, that was nine years ago. Two thirty six. Yeah. I'll be 30. I'll be 37 next month. July. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Birthday coming up. Yeah. Man, I, I'm trying to envision you're at the gym, probably on the floor, on the bench press. It must have been scary for your trainer. I know mm -hmm. you had a personal trainer. Well, I shouldn't have been there, right? So so I, I had partied the night before, and I just had this sort of relentless ambition. You know, not in a good way, but, you know, partying, you know, definitely, you know, partaking in substances and partying and all of this and, you know, just – you know, I, I guess you could say it was similar to like a Wolf of Wall Street culture mm, yeah. where it was like, you know, alpha male, you know, push, 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 make more money, you know, you know, and, and the, the ego gratification that came from that. Right. You know, a lot of men would be very happy with and, you know, it, it, it fulfilled a lot of parts of my ego, and my confidence. But at the same time, there was something inside of me 
that needed to be expressed that I didn't understand about myself. And I suffered. I, I was tortured by it. I was tortured by having this beautiful heart and, and, and just being this like loving person and then not being able to express that love in my career and my business and, you know, or even at the club, you know, with the alcohol and the drinking and, and the girls and, you know, driving a BMW, living on the high line, like, you know, on the outside, everybody like sort of looked up to me and say, Hey, you made it, bro. Like, Oh, you can travel whenever you want. You have all this freedom, you know, you're dating a beautiful girl, like all of these things. And I just didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel fulfilled. So I had achieved, you know, I went to a great college. I, I got a job. I rose to the the top of my industry, 30 under 30, all of these things in real estate. Yeah. And I just didn't really care. And at one point when I left New York, I had these like accolades and trophies and I just like didn't really care about them. And, you know, now I approach it from a different standpoint. I look back at my achievements and I look back at that ambition and I respect it. I respect, you know, I was a, a kid from the Bronx, you know, making his way. I didn't grow up in a super rich family. My parents were teachers and, and they taught me a lot of good stuff. Both my parents were athletic directors and coaches and, and physical fitness people, you know? So, so they were both teachers and, you know, I always kind of pushed that aside when I was growing up and I didn't really fully appreciate them like I do now Mm. um, because I always wanted to make more money. And I was sort of programmed and conditioned by, you know, hip hop culture or, you know, hustling and, you know, all these movies like, hey, if you make money, you can do whatever you want. And if you can do whatever you want, you're going to you're going to be happy. And what I realized is that was an outward journey. And I, it, only, it brought me to the point where I couldn't do anything more, but it would, I had to go inward to to survive for my health. I had to go inward to really discover, you know, who I am and remember who I am on the soul level. So that was, uh, that's how it all, that's how my spiritual journey began about 10 years ago. Wow. Incredible. I feel like people who are extreme can really relate to other extreme men because somehow pushing your edges allows you to find yourself faster because if people say, if you're going through a shitstorm, don't just wally through it, get through that thing. Uh, just take, Tons of action, even if it's in the wrong direction, because mm. you're going to wake up eventually and get course corrected. Mm. I guess they say God can't steer a parked car, but extreme people like yourself get out of that rut pretty quickly because unfortunately accidents, it'll lead you, you know, you go so fast, you'll probably well, Crash, maybe, right? maybe. I mean, a lot of them die too, right? So true. To, a lot me, of them do, yeah. to me, it's it's balance, you know. At, um, it's about a masculine and feminine balance. So what I <clears throat> what I discovered was that I couldn't keep yanging out. I couldn't keep pushing in my masculine any mm. further because my body was suffering and I was neglecting my body. Right. So I had to develop an inward practice. I had to start doing yoga. I had to start meditating. I had to, you know, really understand what these sacred plants and ceremony was about 
in order to heal myself. So, you know, for, for me to be healthy, it's, it's really about, you know, good nutrition because food becomes a part of us and, and, uh, lifestyle, you know, for me, that's like yoga, meditation, cold plunging and, and my family, you know, being loved and supported and having purpose that comes with being a father and an entrepreneur. So really just, um, it's been quite the journey. Um, but I would say, you know, extreme men, you know, it, it's all relative. And I talked about this in another podcast where, you know, you're only as tough until mother nature sends that earthquake or that tornado or that tidal wave, and then you're humbled, right? So it's only a matter of time for a man that life will humble us. And we realize that we're a part of it all. And we realize that we're, you know, 70, 80% water. And we come from the womb, we come from the mother, we come from the earth, and everything that makes our bodies came from the earth, grew from the earth, right? So, you know, it's such a important thing to understand that, you know, where we come from, on the ancestral level, to understand how our ancestors live, to understand you know, all the changes in our modern, you know, modern life and contemporary culture that are so different than the way that we used to live. So a lot of my journey has been about understanding what this body needs. And, and a lot of that healing for me has been found in nature and connecting with the earth, you know, after growing up in a place like New York City. The concrete jungle. Exactly. I love what you're saying too. It's, it's, uh, that balance is something that for me, I found balance when I was burnt out, similar to yourself, climbing the corporate ladder, just pushing. A lot of young guys can relate to that. You know, you have a chip on your shoulder and you want to make something of yourself and you want to make a name for yourself. So you think you have to do that by achieving and doing things. Mm -hmm. um, but you do that so long, you climb that ladder only to realize it's leaning against the wrong building. And mm -hmm. you look over and you realize, OK, I've been doing so much. You know, focus on the inner mm -hmm. self and the being. And we decided to take a year off, similar to like yourself. Um, I found it because I read this book called The Power of Now and Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah. Those two books, because those are subtle, you know, I highly recommend to read. Yeah. It's your mind talking to itself with some great mm -hmm. ideas. The 4-Hour Workweek helped me overcome some fears and helped me realize that I don't need to work so hard for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. It's right here, right now. Yes. And that's what the power now also taught me too, is how to not identify with the mind. So those two freedoms, I said, okay, I have to travel. Where do I go? Picked Bali, Indonesia. And my wife and I, we sold everything. And we were just extreme, radical, right? We just had to do something like that. Because getting out of the country or taking a nomadic year is the, one of the most important mm -hmm. pilgrimages I think everybody should do. It's just a way to really unplug from the capitalist machine, unplug from whatever America is promoting. And you get to have quiet time to really start reflecting and knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. Met my life coach there. Incredible guy. But the power was when we lived in Hawaii did this psychedelic medicine journey. And that is where it totally went from darkness to light. It was a complete ego death. Mm -hmm. 
I realized I had years of repressed emotions, tons of traumas to heal through. I had to feel it all and heal it all. And it looked like a lot of crying and a lot of supportive space that was held for my wife. And it really healed that part of me. You know, the integration work, like you're saying, meditation, yoga, journaling, reflecting, asking the right questions, but then also doing the uncomfortable things that, you know, that I had to do specifically. I had to reach out to some, to my father, had to reconcile that relationship. Mm -hmm. Some of the hardest things that I had to do, I guess they call it shadow work. I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. uh, familiar with what that is, but these methods open up the window for you to be able to look at yourself and tell yourself the right answers because nobody really is going to tell you what you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's that process of listening to yourself and hopefully being humbled because as the ancient Greeks said, to die before you actually die, mm-hmm. you'll then know how to start living. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely. You know, I would even, I would even say, you know, yeah, it's beautiful to hear your story and it's beautiful to hear how you took action after that experience. So you applied what you experienced in ceremony. And, you know, I like to, the way that I think about this now, you know, after, you know, hundreds of ceremonies and journeys and, and deep introspection and integration is there's no such thing as the psychedelic experience. Right. So that there's a lot of this, you know, trending, you know, psychedelic journeying and uh, mushrooms and peyote and ayahuasca. And a lot of people think, oh, if I go to this ceremony, it's going to heal me. Right. And if you go to the ceremony, it's not going to heal you. It's not going to do the work for you. It might show you some things, but especially with a plant like ayahuasca, she doesn't play. Right. She doesn't mess around. So so really, like, there's no psychedelic experience. It's just a perspective on reality. But it is reality. You're going into the spirit world. You're going into an altered state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But that altered state of consciousness is not any different than our regular 3D consciousness navigating through life. Right. So that spirit world exists just as much as the here and the now and what our senses are perceiving, you know, on this wavelength, right? So I think people separate it a lot. They're like, oh, I'm going to go to cloud nine or I'm going to go to this dimension and I'm going to heal everything or I'm going to, you know, but it's really about what you bring back. It's really about, you know, okay, so just like traveling, just like leaving the country, just like, you know, having that privilege and that opportunity to go and experience another culture Uh, to experience another way of life that's not the United States has been super, super powerful and super transformative in my life. And it's such a blessing, you know, it's such a blessing to have the means and the resources to be able to do that. And and for that, I'm grateful. Um, But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people think about like, Oh, I'm going to take these mushrooms or I'm going to take these psychedelics and it's going to heal me. No, you're going to heal yourself. And the mushrooms can be an ally. Like Ram Das says, you know, uh, psilocybin is my friend, right? I, I believe that's true, you know, and I believe these things are here on this planet to help us and to assist us, but not if you're lazy, 
and not if you're unwilling to look in those dark crevices and those mm-hmm. traumas from childhood. And it, you know, there's a lot of scary stuff that comes up in these journeys and it's really up to you to bite, to bite off the right amount, you know, not bite off more than you can chew. Well, if you, I, I have bit off more than I can chew. So I would say, you know, after doing that, I realized, okay, well, what's a, a good metric. It's kind of like working out. Are you going to go to the gym for like seven hours and train for seven hours? I mean, you're probably not going to be in the gym for another like seven days after that. Or are you going to go to the gym an hour a day or two hours, you know, for a couple days, right? It's really understanding what we can handle, understanding what we can actually apply to our life, not quit your job right away or make these drastic changes without really like taking the time and being patient and understanding, you know, what this means for your life. So I would say it's a combination of like big moves like you took, you you know, you moved to Bali, you went nomadic. You were you were called to that. You knew it was the right thing to do. So that was the time for you to make a big move, a big step. Whereas for a lot of people, you know, if they've been in a career for 15, 20 years, 10 years, and they have an identity with that career, they have a skill, I wouldn't say like uproot, you know, something that you've spent so much time on and and devoted so much of your energy to thinking that, you know, now that you've done psychedelics, that there's some, you know, magic career around the corner, you're going to have to work hard in that new career too. You're going to have to go through the motions and rebuild yourself uh, in that new identity. So that's a lot of what I had to experience, you know, leaving New York City and that personal transformation, that personal journey. um, It's not easy. I I don't think it's easy for anyone. And it certainly wasn't easy for me. Um, But, you know, you keep at it, you persevere and you learn gratitude. You learn you know, whatever's in your bank account or whatever amount of possessions you have, you just really learn. And I'm sure you know this being a nomad or, you know, that the the joy is not in our possessions, obviously, but like in our experience and in the here, in the now. And, And that's really where you, through experience, you really discover who you are, you know? Yeah, the joy of life, just like you were saying, is... The quality of your presence. And that's the biggest one, I think. And then being in alignment and knowing yourself and knowing why you want to do what you want to do. That is what being nomadic teaches you is, man, I spend so much money on random things I don't need. So you realize you get off that capitalistic treadmill, that farm. We... I think a lot of people get farmed in this country for the bigger corporations, mm-hmm. whether you're being farmed by fast food companies, you're being farmed by the cheap retail companies. You realize that you don't need anything mm-hmm. to be living an incredible life. One of the most impactful things is well, good nutrition. Yes. You need good you need, community, you need good clean water. <laughs> but when, from the material sense, I feel you like, you know, definitely like not, like we're in a material world. We grew up in a consumerist culture, right? We're, we're, there's billboards for everything that make us feel like we're not good enough. So we have to buy this, we have to buy that, right? And it's like, 
you need a soap, a beard cream, you know, like 17 <laughs> different oils, you know, when you could just use like coconut butter and like shea butter and like a, maybe a few things for like everything, yeah. right? To moisturize your skin. And, you know, it's like so many products. There's like 46,000 products at a grocery store, right? Like what the fuck, you know? So I think for any material man, the yeah. big challenge would be is how minimalist can you get yourself just to balance out for a span of time. I just had maybe three shirts, like mm-hmm. five pieces of clothing and I didn't even have a cell phone for three months. I kind of just disconnected on place nice. and it was awesome. We were living in Hawaii, so it's pretty easy to do that. Beautiful. But tell me about your nomadic journey. Like it's something that it's still in my heart. I still have the travel bug. Uh-huh. I'm planning another nomadic year. Scares my wife to death because <laughs> yeah. um, I just have that adventure in me. Um, I think Tim Ferriss puts it too. like for every few months of working, it takes a month to reset. Yep. To do the hobbies, to have the conversations, to do the long dinners, to take the naps, yep. uh, to do the yoga. Um, and then so every few years take a longer. So that way you have many retirements. Not just burning out, waiting to the end of something, mm-hmm. but tell me about your nomadic year. Well, I, I fully, you know, you being 29 and you know, you're not a father yet. Nope. Right. So, you know, I'm so glad that I did what I did before I became a father, because now, you know, I did a lot of that outward journey, a lot of that travel and really did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at at 29 or 30, I took that leap and went down to Brazil on a one-way ticket. And, nice. and I just did what I wanted to do. You know, I, I had never really been musical or a singer and I wanted to activate my voice. And I, I had known of this woman who was doing a, a voice retreat in Brazil. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go sing. I want to go like, you know, it's something, you know, from a young age, like I was encouraged to sing by my dad, but like, you know, we were an athletic family. We weren't really a musical family. So, you know, I grew up um, in a way that was like, you know, promoting the sports and the things that our family was good at, which was, you know, triathlon and swimming and biking and running and, uh, you know, even golf. I played some golf and some tennis, but like all these sports, you know, I was like almost naturally good at. But then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go try and do something that doesn't feel as natural But the thing that I learned about activating my voice, the thing I learned about singing was it is natural. And when we speak, if if you're a singer, like take James Earl Jones, for example, somebody who has like really perfected their voice, um, somebody who's like really, you know, has that resonance that that, that's health in the body on some Mm. level. It's like a deep knowing of yourself, a deep knowing of your voice being able to express yourself through your throat chakra is a super, super important part of being human. And it's something that a lot of us have forgot. And it's, uh, it's just extremely important. And I encourage everybody to really activate their voice, activate their body and to really, you know, start to love your voice, start to love wherever you're at. You were talking about activating your voice. You grew up a sports family, just like I did, I played soccer my whole life and never even touched music, never even got creative. Is that part of balancing the, you know, is that part of being in balance is, is being creative as well? Or Maybe, you know, maybe. I think for everybody, the path to, to grace, inner grace, 
is is different. For me, uh, singing was was really really beautiful because I would be inspired by people that just filled a room with their presence and filled a room with their voice and their love and. You know, once I started to work with shamanic medicine and once I started to activate my voice and realize that I have a powerful voice and realize I have this powerful body and I can do whatever I want with it. Right. So singing for me was just hard. It was hard in the beginning. It was difficult because I had all this conditioning. And, you know, I remember my father told me a story when he was in high school. And he said that uh, he had a music teacher in high school and that music teacher told him that he couldn't sing. And what kind of music teacher says that, right? What kind of music teacher does that? But it really scarred my father and it it pushed my father in more of an athletic direction, which, which in some sense is fine. But the damage that was done, you know, like this was probably like freaking like 60 years ago when my dad was in high school. So the damage that was done from that to him psychologically, I don't even think he realized, but then he would tell me that story. At one one point, I remember my dad saying, yeah, we don't really sing in this family, you know, and, and maybe that discouraged me. Obviously, like I'm responsible for like choosing my path, like not blaming my dad for anything. My dad's awesome. But just witnessing and understanding that, you know, when we're young, you know, adults can have such a huge impact on, on how we see ourselves because, you know, when, when we're like, when we're young or in high school or middle school, elementary school, we're so impressionable and we we're looking for guidance. We're looking for reflections of like, Oh, am I going to be good at this? Am I going to be good at that? What am I here to do? Like, what am I here to explore? So it obviously like, you know, in the, public education system or you know every teacher is a human being and every human being has trauma of some sort right so it's unfortunate when you know people reach their limit and they can no longer encourage their students or encourage their people uh people around them so so that was just one thing that i had to overcome um because you know i never saw myself as a singer i never really saw myself as a musician and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call myself, you know, a musician, but I am musical. I can play, you know, the drum. I can sing some songs. And, and it just feels so good to, like, give myself permission to do that. Uh, I had to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs and a lot of, um, you know, just challenging mental blocks that I had created and absorbed, you know, through my life. And, you know, now I'm just really gentle with myself and really loving with myself. And I pretty much sing every single day. So I sing in the car and, uh, you know, even a mantra practice can be very powerful for meditation. Uh, But activating my voice, you know, 10 years ago, really, really changed my life because I started to see myself as more of a beautiful being and a being of vibration and uh, positivity and, you know, through sound, you know, I might not be an opera singer or the greatest singer on earth and that's okay, you know, but just allowing myself to express in that way was life changing and uh, just changed the way 
that uh, I proceeded with my life. And I sing with my wife, and my wife's an amazing singer. Right? Oh, that's so, cool. So that's really cool. It's it's nice to harmonize with her. It's nice to to create with her, and that's a really beautiful part of our relationship, especially when we're in circle or we're in a ceremony and we're singing together as a husband, wife, mother, and father. Uh, one day our son will sing with us too. So it's just a really beautiful thing to do as a family and as a community as well. Speaking so, about yeah. family, I want to get into how you met your wife and that progression into fatherhood, because that's where I'm personally been with my wife for about married six years, been together seven. And of course, any great partnership life is just so much better, right? When, when you can find your soulmate or that vibrational match, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. And honestly, I feel so blessed and I feel so grateful to have a partner that, uh, that compliments you in every single way. It's also pretty incredible how a loving woman can open you up spiritually. It's, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. You guys met in Brazil. She's mm-hmm. from Brazil. My wife is from Brazil. I shall. And, uh, yeah, we met in Brazil. We actually met uh, doing deep inner work on ourselves in ceremony. So it was uh, in a place called Alto Paraíso, and uh, it means high paradise. And it's a, cool. it's a higher jungle region of central Brazil. And there was a shamanic festival going on for a couple of weeks. And sure mm-hmm. enough, you know, the love of my life was there waiting for me. And it was a really cool story how we met and uh, fell in love. And uh well, you got to tell the story. It's been a journey. Yeah. So uh, this was back in the beginning of 2017. And uh, I just I had just finished my singing retreat in Brazil. So I went down there for that and then met a bunch of people there. And, you know, I had a three month visa in Brazil. So I'm like, I'm going to use I'm going to stay here for all of it. I'm going to experience as much of this country and language and culture as I can. So we just continued on and traveled. And I, I was there with a good friend, my friend Charlie. Shout out to Charlie. Um, but uh, he lives in Hawaii now. But um, but sure enough, me and Charlie and a few other people were like, yeah, let's go to this shamanic conference and go deeper on, on ourselves. And there were all, uh, all sorts of medicine men and chiefs and medicine carriers from tribes and indigenous cultures from around the world. So it was a very, very special thing. There were a lot of people that met at that conference that went on to do amazing things. So I would just say, uh, I met my wife there, you know, and it was, it was, we had kind of seen each other and over the, the days that passed and, you know, I kind of had my insecurities come up. I'm like, Oh, she's so beautiful. And like, what a goddess. Like, I don't know if I should go up and talk to her. I don't even know if I'm worthy enough or wow. like, you know, she, she would wear, she, um, she was gifted a headdress by my wife is Brazilian. She, she has indigenous Brazilian. So she was gifted a headdress by, you know, one of the, uh, tribesmen, one of the, mm. one of the, um, medicine man who was in love with her right so he gave her a, a headdress from the forest from the amazon and i'm like looking at this woman and i'm like oh my god like, what would it be like to be with like a spiritual brazilian woman like that and you know i kind of was like had her on this pedestal and was just like wow like I mean, there's no way, you know, there's no way I can like go up to her. All these guys are talking to her. So I'm just kind of like peeping, you know, I'm just kind of like, 
you know, checking out the situation, you know, and, you know, I was always that guy in the past in New York where I would approach a woman and I would be confident and ask for her number or like show that I'm interested and be very forward. Right. Mm -hmm. But for like, for the first time in my life, I was kind of like really scared, you know, I was like, wow, this is like a real powerful spiritual woman. And I'm like scared shitless. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. So I actually don't go up to her. I like find her on Instagram, I'm like total like wimping out here. And I find her on Instagram and uh, I realize that she's not like, she doesn't live in Brazil, but she lives in Canada. Oh. So I'm like, oh, she must speak English. I was like, that's good. So if I go up to her and talk to her, she's gonna like speak my language. I find out later she speaks four languages. Wow. So, I mean, after the next ceremony, right, there was the, this maloka that held a lot of people in Brazil. And after that next ceremony, um, it was one of the toughest ceremonies of my life. I, I, I vomited on myself and uh, it was just like <clears throat> brutal. I had to face a lot of my insecurities, my ego identities, and just really go deep into who I am. And, and it was almost like really scary. Um, I, I had to face off with a lot of fears. And it was after that ceremony, I had to go to the bathroom, clean my white shirt up and, you know, pull it back together, as we say, right? I was disheveled and like a total mess. Um, some people say there's, there's no such thing as drinking too much ayahuasca, but there is, right? So a lot of that ambition that we talked about before, Right. Whenever they offered a, another cup, I would always be like, yes. Right? That's what I would say, too. You know, and 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 I would say to people out there like, yes and no. Like if you're going to drink the medicine, take the responsibility of drinking the medicine. Mm. Right. That cup could be also gifted or that cup could be served to someone else, too. Right. So I look back on my journey and in the beginning, I was like, OK, this sacred medicine is going to heal me, right? So I would drink more of it. But then was I fully honoring it? Was I fully meeting it, mm. you know, in the level of love and intensity that it was meeting me and wanting to help me? And the, the answer is like, no. I think I wasn't able to handle the amount of spiritual power at times that you know, this medicine wanted to take me to, but I did experience it and I did learn from it. Right. So it's like when we bite off more than we can chew, we learn a lot when we fall on our face, when we get injured, when we have these serious experiences in our life, we learn a lot. So I don't regret any of it. I'm grateful for all of it, but it was after that super intense ceremony that I met my queen and, and she actually came up to me and we started talking and then I realized that she had just as a rough night as I did and that she was tired. I was tired. We didn't get much sleep. And I said, can I give you a massage? Not knowing that she was a healer and a body worker. And oh, wow. I just started, you know, connecting with her. And that was pretty much it. We got married. Uh, we got married um, six months later. Wow. And uh, amazing. Uh, so. so yeah. That was when you were 30, 31. You had your son another year after that, like at 32. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be 37 uh, in a 
couple weeks and uh, had Phoenix around 32. Yeah. You know, of course, I mean, your queen is the most important step to this process. But how did you transition into starting a family? Because well, sometimes it can be scary. Like, I don't know when the right timing is, right? Like, or should we wait a little bit? Like, the biological time clock, mm -hmm. people's voices. Like, how did you navigate that? Or was it just something that happened? A little bit of both. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but my wife's a few years older than me. And oh. she doesn't look it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I... It, it was just time, you know? I... When, when I married my wife, I knew that children would be a part of that decision, right? So I, so I had a lot of fear come up around committing and getting married. And, you know, there's a lot of societal talk and shit, you know, just nonsense that's out there. It's like, oh, you're married, you're done. You got to be with one woman for the rest of your life. It's not going to be fun. And, and that's all bullshit because... When you're with an amazing person and you're both on that trajectory of self-growth and, and love, right? And, and, you know, I believe like nobody like loves themselves fully. I think we're all here on this planet to experience and to know love on a deeper level. So I don't think anybody like is like fully expressed in the amount of power and love that they have inside of them. So that means whatever partner that you choose, it's not so much compatibility. It's more about the trajectory of how you're showing up for yourself each and every day. And there's going to be stuff that comes up in relationship. There's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up in relationship. It's almost inevitable. And, you know, some it's almost like your best partner is going to trigger you and bring up the stuff. Yeah. And that's spiritual growth. And it's like, I look at my, my grandfather, Lloyd Schmaltz, and he was married for 60, 67 years. Wow. And it was just such a beautiful thing. And I, I, I mean, he had four children, my mom being the first. And I'm just so grateful for like that grandfather, Grandpa Lloyd, and, and just the, I didn't fully understand it till later in my life, how committed, how devoted, and just what a patriarch that he was and what that takes, you know? So I really, you know, he just passed recently and I just want to take a second to honor him and to really, uh, to thank him, you know, for holding my mom's side of the family together. And obviously, you know, we're in an imperfect world and a lot of things are really tough, but he did it, you know, he did it and he grew up without a father. And he showed up as a father and a grandfather and a great grandfather, you know, in his life. So I really look up to that man. He was he was a Marine. And, uh, you know, this is one of the reasons that I work with veterans now, uh, because a lot of people in my family were first responders mm -hmm. and, and veterans. My brother's in the Army um, in San Antonio. Okay. So, you know, it's just really... It's on my heart to to work with people that serve and to to work with people that make that ultimate devotion and ultimate commitment to to this country. And you know, it's just uh, I really want to serve and help those people, um, just like I've served and helped myself. You know, being through a lot of trauma on my own in my own right. Um, but just getting back to the story, getting back to you know how I met my wife. Um, yeah, it, it, 
it was uh, it was a very different experience of uh, approaching a woman because it, she she came up to me and you know it was almost like the spirit of our child brought us together and the spirit of the medicine mm-hmm. brought us together uh, because we were both very intentionally there to heal ourselves. And I didn't go to Brazil looking for a wife. I didn't go to Brazil, you know, really with that intention. I went to Brazil to to grow myself, to heal myself. And sure enough, you know, I came back with a girlfriend and, and uh, shortly after that girlfriend became my wife. So... Um, just so blessed and grateful that that journey, you know, I, I, I had struggled on Tinder and match.com and all of that stuff when I did, when I didn't really know myself, but the second I went all in on myself and, and my healing and made that a priority, sure enough, my queen appeared as part of that journey. So the universe responds, the universe is like, okay, you want to heal okay, well, here's the perfect person for you to go on this journey with. And, and that's, you know, for better, you know, in good times, bad times, right? It's, it's, it's what, it's not always what you want, but it's what you need. And I feel like life gives us what we need, not what we want yeah. a lot of the time, yeah. uh, pretty much all the time. So, you know, a lot of that is saying yes, you know, just living in a state of perpetual yes or, uh, infinite go, you know, as my, my buddy Rudy Reyes says, infinite go. It's awesome. But, uh, yeah, just, just becoming a yes man, you know, and like showing up to these workouts with you, man. And like, you know, going every Thursday and just pushing our bodies and, and our mindsets, you know, to, to grow ourselves and to just be more positive in our life and to just be less scared and less timid and less like just let that lion roar and let that courage come out yeah. in every aspect of our life. And I think for for a lot of men or, you know, for people that do have that courage inside them and do have that like, yes, you know, sometimes like we can say yes to too much and then we get overwhelmed and we learn what that's all about. And then as we mature and get older, we, you know, we, we get wiser, we, we learn what to say yes to and then we start to say a lot of no's like I don't need this I don't need that or this is not you know in my best interest or you know this is not me serving in my highest so I need to cut out everything else right so I love what you're saying there which I feel like gets intensified that boundary gets intensified what to say no to because with your time because um the opportunity cost, like you could be spending time with your son, you could be spending time with your wife mm-hmm. and having a wife, you know, like I'm very selective when I do go out with friends, which friends are they have the same values as me? Like you don't just waste your time with anybody. Yeah. And tell me more about fatherhood. Like, how is it like, how did it change the relationship or what you were saying as well too? Like your wife can, I think you said trigger you in the right kind of ways for your mm-hmm. growth and development. One tip on that that I loved, I had received this great advice. Like I had been wanting something from the relationship mm-hmm. and he flipped the script and asked me, am I embodying what I want? Am mm-hmm. I giving what I want? Mm-hmm. And that's why your partner is really a great reflection, a great mirror on how you're supposed to evolve. Yes. 
I can only imagine with kid. That's that's it. That's that's what it is. I mean, that's what marriage is about, and what you know, partnership is about. Um, I'm, I'm learning to stop saying the word divine as much, like divine <laughs> partnership, divine love. It's just love, and it's just partnership. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like we we think of all these things as like so heavenly, or so like out of body, but no, that's right here, right now, full presence, like on earth. It doesn't have to be divine sex, divine love. It's like, no, we're human beings and we're here, right? So it's just the human experience. So to answer your question about fatherhood, I mean, I don't think I was prepared to become a father. Mm. I don't think anybody is ever prepared because it will shift you and it will change the way you think about being a man. It'll change the way you think about yourself and your family and it, it really becomes a, a daily act of devotion and a daily act of sacrifice. And definitely in these, these past couple of years, I've had to sacrifice a lot of, um, you know, these decisions and my decision making. I've had to say no to a lot of things in order to plant those seeds and be there for my son. And a lot of times that can be really uh, difficult. And, you know, but, but then you look at your son and you look at your child and you're just like, I understand why I'm here. I understand what's really important. And I understand what legacy means. I understand like in many, many years from now, what I'm going to care about and what's really going to matter. Right. So that's why spending time with family, spending time with my son is so important. And, you know, I'm just not taking it for granted. And the legacy piece is important because we wouldn't be here if our parents decided not to have kids. Exactly. And apparently there's going to be some kind of population collapse because a lot of people are choosing not to. There's a lot of infertility, which leads into the health and kind of toxicity of our environment. If we were to strip away all of this progress, yet we're failing as a society to its most basic biological purpose which is procreate because i love humans and i love being alive do you think it's just a byproduct this population collapse is a byproduct of well the toxic I, I, environment believe, and, I mean if we if we want to go down the rabbit hole on i'm, I'm, I'm taking it there do, we got to do another podcast <laughs> but um i don't believe in an outside enemy i believe in like outside forces and I do believe a lot of these forces are going against our spiritual evolution and going against the best expression of ourselves as humans. And there are uh, uh, attacks on our health and we have to understand, are we you know, fighting violently back or are we doing Aikido um, and sort of, you know, rolling with the punches and rolling with you know, like our food system, for example, right? It, it's, you know, this spiritual journey and this spiritual path is like we are under attack in some sense and it's perfect. It's, it's the way it's meant to be in order for us to grow. But a lot of it's very uncomfortable and it's not kind and it's not nice the way that we're treated by government. And, um, you know, we have to understand these things. We have to be put in the pressure cooker for us to wake up mm-hmm. uh, to express ourselves and rise up and come together and know love on a deeper plane. 
no, no love. There's no other way to do it. This has happened in every re revolution and every war throughout history. The people have to get it to get it get it together and realize they need less government to to rise up and take their freedom. Right? Freedom's not free, and and I think a lot of us are asleep, and a lot of us have been asleep because I mean, let's face it. You know, the food puts us asleep. The addictions. Uh, we, you know, the, the vaccines are not good for you. I think it's pretty much like out there in the open now, the studies and, and all the research have shown that, that um, this thing did not help. And even just from personal experience without getting too political or too much into it. I mean, my brother served, my brother's a medic in the army and he, he gave the vaccine and he watched people drop. He watched people go to the ER Right. So there's no doubt in my mind that that is not medicine and that was not here to help us. That was not here to help humanity. So do I believe in a depopulation agenda? Do I believe that we've been programmed to not want children because it's a strain on the environment and all that bullshit? Uh, yeah, I believe that there's this total agenda like ESG. Look at what happened in Sri Lanka. Look at look at what has happened all the world with like this World Economic Forum. And, you know, we got to wake up. We got to wake up and realize that Mother Earth loves us and we got to love her back. And that no politician or no, you know, governmental influencer, right, can ever tell you how to treat the earth and can, you know, you got to know for yourself. You got to know, like, what your carbon footprint is. You got to know if you're really making a detrimental. And don't listen to Greta and be like, you know, <laughs> Greta's telling you not to like, like, come on, people. Like, we got to really wake up and be realistic grounded and practical that we're not the ones causing the major planet it's these larger corporations that are taking advantage of us and then making us feel like we're the ones fucking up the earth wow i never even thought of it that way yeah that's awesome that's powerful that makes me think yeah like what your personal carbon footprint is um and, and don't get me wrong you know like every decision that we make you know, like how much plastic we use. All of these decisions are super important. We can all be more sustainable. Yes. You know, we can we can all move towards growing our own food and, you know, living, in, you know, in a more sustainable way with the earth. But we really can't beat ourselves up to the point where we're judging ourselves on a daily basis, you know, getting a plastic bag at the store. Like, Obviously, like sometimes I forget, you know, I bring my reusable bags to the store, but like it, I'm not a bad person. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost like the agenda out there is like, oh, you pay 10 cents for a bag. Like it's just it's like fuckery. It, it, it's like it's not. I mean, be responsible, do the best you can and continue to grow and continue to be better. But don't let anyone tell you you're a bad human being, because like, let's face it, we grew up in this world and the society and we're all just doing the best that we can. So I think governments and politicians especially use that as a power yeah. tool, you know, use that as a manipulative way to essentially uh, get people to feel like they're not good enough or that they need to take some action that the governments want them to take or that the companies want them to take. You know, yeah, this is really hitting home. <laughs> I love that. And, yeah. and for people who've ever watched any eye-opening documentaries that kind of 
cause a reaction and emotion. Love what you're saying too. Don't judge yourself, but just improve and be conscious of it and see how much better you can be. And everything takes decades and years to really shift and move. And really, we're not saving the planet. We're saving ourselves because mm-hmm. all the planet has to do is just one big old ice age, mm-hmm. one huge volcano or whatever. And, and it can reset, mm-hmm. which is why I love Graham Hancock because he says we have reset a few times already yes. before. And, and let's face it, we're in a loneliness epidemic. We're in a health epidemic, right? Mental health, physical health, right? We need we need to have community conversations about better food, clean air, clean water, clean soil, right? This is the vision. This is what we need to come together as humans and decide is important. You know, if they're building a parking garage over here in uh, Barton Springs, right? So that destination has become so popular, they need more parking. So now they're going to you know, develop around that. We, we have to, you know, come together as a community and decide, you know, is that the best thing for the community? And, and we really need to honor our resources and not take them for, for granted and, and really fight against anybody that is or anybody that's using, you know, bottled water is, the, is, is one of the, you know, the way companies take water from the earth or from springs, bottle it up and sell it back to us. When it's our it's our human right, it's our God given right to have access to that water, but a lot of us don't, so we buy bottled water. That's a crime. That's a crime against humanity. And I really, bottled plastic bottled water is a crime against humanity. And as humans, we need to evolve and call these corporations out and just be like, there's so much manipulation. Like companies will be like, this bottle is a hundred percent recyclable. And it's plastic. And it's like you're bottling water that's from the earth. We're human beings on this earth. We should have access to it. And you're selling it back to us. So it just it doesn't really make sense. And I think as humans rise up and take their power and their freedom back, we're going to have to address the water. And it's already being addressed, but it's something it's definitely something that needs to be um, at the front of the discussion and uh, priority because water is life and we our bodies are water and like if we if we don't start honoring respecting loving and treating the water uh with sacredness as we do in ceremony you know we have water prayers and we pray that we will always have clean water we pray that we will always have access to to water that'll nourish our bodies because the second that stops we realize how important it is and just a lot of people aren't realizing how important it is right now until it, until fresh, clean water runs out and then, you know, there's going to be chaos, right? Water, so let, water. let's nip it in the butt and let's, let's start having these conversations now and just doing better on the individual collective. And that's why community is so important, you know, because we can't do it all alone. And yeah. these problems can seem overwhelming. These problems can seem just like, um, discouraging, right? There's so much work that needs to be done in this life. And there's so many things that need to be addressed. It's like, oh my God, if I'm doing it all myself, I'm never going to, um, right? This is why community is essential. We have to come together. We have to discover our purpose. We have to really understand how we fit into community and what we do best. So then other people can do what they best, what they do best. And then we get the problems solved. Right, as look what you're saying there, especially with the Barry Creek parking garage, mm-hmm. um, or the Zoker Park one. 
there's definitely been a big response from the Austin community. Yeah. And definitely if, if you live in a place where you don't fit in, that is one good thing studies are good for is you're going to find other like-minded people. But then you want to honestly find a city that has nature intact with it, which is why I love Austin because mm-hmm. got the nice river flowing through it, huge wildlife preserves, Barton Creek, different parks all around. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say I fit in nowhere and I, and I fit in everywhere at the same time. So it's like, for me, my journey of fitting in was just like confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't fit in in high school, didn't fit in in college kind of fit in when I you know, started working in real estate, but then realized I didn't fit in there either. Mm. So I think like, I think in the, growing up in this country and like this whole idea of fitting in is, for me, it was like not willing to go off on that limb, not willing to go off and take that bold risk and have that courage to really discover who I am and what I'm here to do. You're going along with the agenda you're going along with the consensus or with the group of people which is fine as long as you're fine with that but as you learn more and understand you realize that you're here for you're here to be yourself and you're here for self-discovery and and self-development and a lot of times that group consensus almost most of the time is not going to be completely aligned And this is with spiritual communities or churches. Everybody gets what they need to a point Mm -hmm. and it never seems to last, right? It never seems like, you know, you you, you grow to a point in a relationship and, you know, and this is why like marriages that last for a long time or relationships that last for a long time, you don't like, you don't leave, you know, divorces is such a common option now. There's so much divorce, but it's like, fitting in right maybe I, I think this whole concept of fitting in is just flawed right like you're a human being you fit into your body you're renting this body but what else you fit into nature right so if you really understand your your, your human nature that's all you need to fit into be yourself and then go see who likes you and wants to be around you but if you're like really being yourself people will want to be around you because they're going to feel the love in your heart. They're going to feel the brightness in your eyes. And they're going to just light up when they're around you. And they're going to invite you to parties. They're going to invite you to, you know, jobs or whatever it is that you want to do. You know, if you're, if you're a happy human being, um, yeah. you're going to attract. And then you're also going to piss a lot of people off because you're so happy. Right? And you're vibing so high. So, that, you know, there's also, you know, one of my teachers said this uh Last night in the sweat lodge, he's like, there's arrows, you know, the arrows that fly by night, you know, be careful and or not even be careful, but, but be aware, you know, be aware that there are people who don't have great intentions. And, you know, this is why, you know, training martial arts and, you know, be able to defend yourself, be able to, to transmute these energies and, you know, know hey, I'm not feeling something sketchy over there. I'm not going to go in that direction, right? And just have that awareness, you know, all the time uh, so you're able to protect yourself and protect what's sacred and loving and important, protect your family, all of these things, you know, um, because there is darkness out there. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and 
And the way that we come to our light and the way that we come to it is by facing off with darkness. But the darkness is always right around the corner. Yeah. At any given moment, you know, you could be the happiest guy in the world and then something could shift just like that. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation, right? So I think it's just, uh, you know, this is why this is why we train. This is why yeah. we, you know, keep our bodies healthy and alert and keep everything online. So we're able to navigate towards love. We're able to navigate, make those decisions. Uh, it's day, better to day, be a day out. warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah. It, and also integrating that darkness part too is very important because people who are naive or just maybe have been sheltered for so long, it's important to integrate that shadow part within yourself, within your own mind with what's out there in the world it's something that uh, I don't want to go too deep into in in closing the podcast but it's something that uh, if you know the enemy and if you know what their techniques their methods you know they hide in plain sight like if you know what is against you you'll know how to protect yourself how to defend yourself and just do the opposite you know Mm -hmm. use your your reusable canteens instead of plastic and essentially just try to not use plastic as much as possible because it's in everything mm-hmm. so much that it's now in our blood and there's a certain percentage of plastics now in our bodies and yeah. that's also part of that depopulation agenda is toxics in toxics out let's put toxics into all these things yeah. and instead of making things last for a long time like steel or mm-hmm. other reusable things it's one-time use, planned obsolescence. Let's yeah. paper plates, paper cups, just use it fast, toss it away. I wonder too, like when is the landfill gonna get so vast that it's gonna be somebody's job and get paid very well to pay attention to what we don't pay attention to? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know the answer to that. No, question. me neither. It might be and, a while. And you know, I think um, when it comes to the environment. I think if everybody goes deep and learns to know themselves and love themselves and address their own inner demons or their own fears and their own insecurities, there is no outside enemy. Mm. So we've talked about these forces. We've talked about these agendas and these things. But really, if if, if you're going inward, there's enough to work on inside of you. Mm-hmm. That the second you start to panic or the second you start to make some outside problem and mobilize people and that, hey, you have to do something, you have to do this. If you don't know yourself, you're not really in a position to lead anyone else to do anything else about some outside thing. Right. So this is why, like, I've come in and out of leadership uh, in my own life because there's been periods where I'm like, Hey, I got to do some work. I got to do some work before I go public again. I got to do some work before I'm going to put myself out there and just tell, I don't want to be telling anyone how I live. Or if I'm not fully aligned and honest and in integrity with myself, walking the walk, I don't want to talk the talk if I'm not walking the walk, right? So I can't be a leader. I can't be an example for anybody if I'm not loving myself. Right. And having a past with addictive tendencies and all of these things, you know, it just brings me back to humility. And maybe we can end on that note and, you know, humility and just this this idea of 
just always knowing that if you go inward, there's more things to look at. And the outside world is just a reflection of what's going on inside. So if we're attracting negative energy, there's something going on inside of us that's like calling that in. And it's almost like this, this idea of resonance and, and harmony, right? Like the, the, the resonant field of, of different things that are in the universe, right? I went to a doctor the other day and he did muscle testing and he, he has a method of testing for toxins in the body based on residents. So he'll have vials of different toxins like mold and certain things and he'll put them on your body and see how your body responds to that toxin being so close to your body. If the toxin is present in your body, the body is going to respond in a different way. Uh, you're gonna get weaker. If, if you have a vial of mold, for example, and you have mold present in your system, the muscle testing is going to be weaker. So he measures all of that. So the same thing goes with just like mindset and what you're attracting, like law of attraction, vibrational, like if you have thoughts that are not completely serving you or that are not your highest and best thoughts, you're going to be attracting something else. So it's the same thing. It's like if we're thinking, if we're watching horror movies or watching violence, we're probably going to attract some like like subconsciously, we might not even be aware of it, but it's like if you're thinking about being violent or you're, th- you're in fear and you're thinking about, you know, fight. I really believe that, you know, what you, you know, attention go, energy, uh, energy flows where attention goes, something like that. Um, I, I know I butchered that, but <laughs> um, just, uh, yeah, we create our reality. And I, I don't even, and it, so many people don't even realize that. But like, yeah. it, you're calling it in. So true. Right? You can... you're, you're calling it in. And, and I, I see guns in Texas as a last resort. I see the right to bear arms as this super important part of our constitution and the global uh, political system. And I think America, I think that's a really important piece in freedom in this country and also the world. Um, but I don't, I don't believe that we should ever really have to use them. I, I believe we're so powerful that if we focus on ourselves, that it won't get to that point. Right. And, and you can stay strapped. You can have it, you, you can have it and you can know how to use it. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe in that. And I think there's, there's a lot of people out there who might be a little too trigger happy and that's just going to cause death and destruction. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there's not, there's not, there's no reason to really kill another human being, you know, at this point in our evolution, we've had thousands and thousands of years of war, colonization, persecution, just horrible things that have happened that we don't need to go back to that, you know, this is what we need to evolve out of. We need to reach that higher frequency as human beings. And I really believe that's possible. I have no fucking clue how we're going to get there. Um, but I, I believe it starts with looking at yourself and taking responsibility for your own journey and your own thoughts and your own health. And, you know, that might just lead to more love and less, uh, less trigger happy maniacs. Uh, but, you know, I think, um, I think God is in each and every one of us. And 
I think it's it's our responsibility as as human beings, as spiritual beings, to to really understand that connection and activate it within within us, so we can we can just treat each other with more kindness and you know really heal the world. You know, I think yeah, what I what I can't do, I I hope my son can, and I know it's you know we have millennia of damage to, to repair ancestrally and wars and racism and all of this cultural destruction that has happened, right? We were put here to do something. We're put here to, to find gratitude and love, right? So I, I believe it really is all perfect and sometimes I don't understand how and it can be really confusing being human. And, you know, just coming back into my heart every single time. And sometimes it takes hours. Sometimes it takes lots of meditation or lots of long walks in nature. Or sometimes even sleeping out, sleeping out in nature on the earth all night. Right. And just uh, being with the earth and then realizing I'm safe, I'm protected. Uh, I'm meant to be here. My life has a purpose. And... And I just feel loved, feel loved by the, you know, the energy of the earth, the soil, the grass, the, the trees, the birds, the crickets, you know, I'm so blessed to like live in a place where I have access to that. And, uh, I love yeah. that, man. Yeah. People can make a hell out of heaven or heaven out of hell mm-hmm. in any situation. And Cultivating and knowing yourself is, is huge so that way you can create a heaven with your relationship with yourself. Heaven on earth is within you. Yeah. And as far as the darkness part, if you, you were saying it was awesome. If you conquer the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. Yeah. And we encourage you guys to do your own work, to do the integration practice. Alexander, it's been incredible. Any projects in closing too? that you want people to divert attention to or anything that you want to promote? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, just moved to Austin a couple months ago. We have a number of events on the calendar. You know, we work out every Thursday. We have a community there. So just hit me up, you know, DM me or Instagram, alexander.e.hill. We're doing some some men's groups and some men's circles with Man Tribe. That's man.tribe on Instagram. And uh, I'm just going to be doing more podcasting because I really love it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still doing some one-on-one coaching uh, with men and uh, just becoming a better human being every single day and uh, showing up for myself and supporting uh, those out there who I can assist and staying, staying humble and true to the path of fatherhood. And yeah, so, so just hit me up and uh, I'll let you know what's going on in Austin and you know, there's a lot of good things happening. So I'd love to get to know you and connect with you. Thanks. Yep. Everybody, thanks for listening. Don't forget to comment. We'll respond to every single one. Hit the like button. I'll see you guys on the next one.